0: Hey, welcome to church today. We are so glad to have you. How many of you are excited to be in church today? Come on, would you make some noise? Whether you're on your couch, in a seat, it doesn't matter. Hey, listen, I just want to say thank you so much for connecting with us. Listen, whether you're in person or you're watching this online, we just are excited that you're connecting with us. Wherever, like, we we just really believe in a season like this, it's not just people who are local, but even around the world can be connected to the message of hope through Jesus Christ. And so I know we live in a time where things are so negative. And they maybe feel really dark. And so I really believe in a moment like this where the Word of God can bring a positive uh, encouragement to your spirit today. And so you came to the right place today. I got my crew with me today. Guys, I'm excited to have you with me. And uh, listen, this is a big weekend for my family. Let me just say that um, because my daughter got married yesterday, which was a huge thing. Um, I want to say it was like beautiful and it's hard. Uh, when your daughter, right? Because, um, you know, it's bittersweet, you know, when you watch your daughter grow up and then you hand her off to somebody else. But I just wanna say, uh, we're honored to welcome Hunter into our family. Uh, we're proud of them both and uh, wish God's blessing on them. And it also makes you realize something, you're getting old when that happens. Let me just tell you guys, you're getting old when, when one of your daughters gets married off, you kind of realize that there's nothing you can do to slow life down. Here's what I've discovered is there's nothing you can do to slow life down. Life is moving. It feels like it was just yesterday that I remember bringing her home from the hospital for the first time and she was little and then watching her grow up and then all of a sudden you're walking her down an aisle and you're handing her off. And that's when you realize, my gosh, life is still moving forward, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. Now, here's the good news about that. When you're in a pandemic, then it'll also encourage you that we will get beyond this, that we are going to get past this moment. And so I want to encourage you with that, everything that we're going on. It just literally feels like life has been like a, a road trip. That's kind of what we've been saying for the last several weeks, if you've been joining us, that we've been talking through Summer of the X, like, it feels like we've been on a road trip. And maybe you could just say, not just this year, but if all of life were like a road trip, well, then the road trip got really painful in March. And, and it kind of feels like, I want to get out of the car. I, I bet you're like, we're like, I want to be there already um, but, but what it feels like to me is uh, that we reached March and all of a sudden we were hit with a massive road close sign. Have you ever been on a road trip where you're driving along on the freeway, an accident or something happened, you get in this huge stall and they shut down the freeway. Has that ever happened to you? Like, like if that's ever happened to you and when they forced you off the freeway... And you had to take a detour. It's one of the most frustrating things. Now, today, it's not so bad because we all have an electronic device. Pastor Russ could even make his way back onto the freeway of anybody. And, and we have GPS on our phones. And if you go back even before that, we had like, what were they called? Garments and TomTom uh, Tom or whatever they are called. We had all of these devices. Now, I remember a time. I don't know I'm dating myself. I remember a time when we had to do road trips and we didn't have any of that. And if you got stuck where they shut down the road and they forced you off on an emergency detour that they didn't plan for and did not have signs up, you had to figure out how to get back onto the freeway. And you're literally just guessing. You're driving down roads. Do you remember that, Eric? You are kind of you someone remember that, right? You're driving down roads. Pastor Steve, you remember that. And you got to figure out how to get back onto the freeway. And you're guessing and you're trying to figure it out. And, and we get so frustrated with detours, and if I could just say, it just kind of feels like on this road trip of life, we've had a massive, massive disruption to our plans. We've been forced off the road with this pandemic. This is like one of the worst detours that we've been in. And, and I know a lot of us feel like that, and so we've been kind of just processing it together. That's, that's this whole idea of a road trip. And, you know, we think in the summer we go flying, we like to travel, and we haven't been able to do that. But many of us are taking a road trip somewhere. And so what we've decided to do is, like, let's just be in this moment, and let's journey in life together, and let's process this together. And we've been processing it with the help of a people from the Bible who went on a road trip. It's the nation of Israel. If you've been following the last several weeks, last month, we've literally been road tripping with them. Uh, This massive group of people all got into a caravan. It wasn't a Dodge, but they did get into a caravan. And they traveled through the desert as God was leading them to the promised land. And so today I want to dive back into our story. I, I don't know about you, but I love this. Maybe you're ready to get out of the series by now, but I feel like it is so timely for us. And, and so if you've got a Bible with you, I want to dive back into a portion of the story that Pastor Russ preached on last week. By the way, wasn't that a powerful word? Wasn't that encouraging? Like, like God brought them out of Egypt to a mountain, and it was there That Moses encountered the presence of God, and we learned so well last last week that that we need to make space for the presence of God. In a season like this, we need it more now than any other time. And I kind of just felt like God was speaking to me in that same context, that same passage at the base of this mountain that we heard last week. And so I want to dive back into that same story. I want to camp out there for just a little bit with the Israelites, who, by the way, also had to camp out at the base of this mountain for a while. So if you've got a Bible with you, uh, I'm going to be in Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32. I want to read just four verses, but honestly, my message is from one verse. Listen, Pastor Russ, he can handle chapters at a time. Start at Exodus 19 and finish at Exodus 33. I got one verse for you today. Okay, I'm going to read four just because I felt like not a real good pastor if I only read one verse. But I want to read to you uh, verses one through four. And uh, in this moment, as we learned last week, Moses had gone up to the top of the mountain to meet with God. And while he was up there with God, imagine how awesome that was, maybe a taste of heaven. And here are the Israelites who are at the base of the mountain and and they get a little restless. Here's what it says, Exodus 32 verse 1. It says, when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, come make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. And Aaron answered them, take off your gold earrings that your wives Your sons and your daughters are wearing. Can I hit pause for a moment, by the way, for all those super religious that say guys should never wear earrings? They were in the Bible. I'm just saying it. It was a little weird. I had to pause, you know. Uh, It says, take off your earrings and bring them to me. Verse 3. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. It says that he took what they handed him, and he made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool, And then they said, so that would be the people, they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Now, I want to just camp here for a little bit because I feel like there's a word that God has for us in this passage. Now, here's Moses. Moses had left. He had gone up to the top of the mountain at this point. Moses had been gone for a long time, and he, he encounters God at Mount Sinai. Now, this is interesting. If you read the story of it, uh, God had descended in like this billowing smoke on top of the mountain, and all the people were freaked out by it, but Moses goes up into this and disappears into the smoke. There's a fascinating documentary that if you ever get to watch it's called The Real Mount Sinai. I don't know if any of you guys have ever seen it. But in the real Mount Sinai, they actually went and explored modern day, and they believe they found what they call the real Mount Sinai, not what is often in many of our biblical maps in the back of our Bible. And they found this mountain that was kind of blocked off. I think it's in Turkey. And the top portion of this mountain, the very top of it, is all black charred still to this day. And so imagine, here: here is Moses who walks into this. There's a smoke billowing, looks like it's on fire. Moses walks up there, and he's gone. Not one day, two days. Three days, a week, turns to two weeks, turns to three weeks. All of a sudden, the people are starting to go, what happened? All of a sudden, in this moment, they're they're feeling like Moses ghosted us. Like, what what is going on? And, And all of a sudden, the rumors start flying. Oh, I bet he got fried. Like, that place is on fire. Like, he is not coming back. He is burnt up. He is a piece of toast. He is like, there's no way that he is here. And in this moment, they, they kind of, all of a sudden, their leader is gone. Moses is gone in this moment, right? And days turn into weeks. They're stuck at the base of the mountain. And here's what, what they did. I don't know if you noticed that in, in uh, what they said in verse 1. They, they gathered around Aaron. Now, Aaron was the number two. He was the interim pastor while Moses was on sabbatical. And so they gather around him. And you just imagine the pressure? I'm just picturing all these people surrounding Aaron. And they're like, here's what they said. Aaron, come make us gods to go before us. We have been here far too long. We don't know what's happened to Moses. That's what they said. Make us gods to go before us. We had a promise You see, the reason why they were so willing to walk out of Egypt was because God had promised that he was taking them to a better land. He was taking them to a better space where they could be free. And they were making progress until they got to the base of the mountain. And then all of a sudden, they get to the base of the mountain, and they're not moving forward anymore. Can can I just tell you something that's so true about all of us, I really believe it, is that we... We love, shall I say, we are addicted to progress. Yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah. We, we, we desperately need movement in our lives. We are, especially if I could say, especially as Americans, if you're watching this from around the world, let me tell you something. We as Americans, we are dedicated to progress. It's part of our preamble, right? That the, the all men are created equal and are, are given these certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit Of happiness, as long as we're pursuing something, as long as we're moving. And if you would think about America over the last hundreds of years, the banner word you could stick over America from its inception would be progress. Everything was about progress. We built railroads so we could go out west, so we could develop. Everything has been about progress. In fact, uh, there's a ride at Disney. I don't know if you've been to Disney World. Uh, If you have, it's called the Carousel of progress. Any of you ever been on that ride, the carousel of progress? So here's what's interesting and kind of ironic, that ride has not changed in forever. But 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 it's a it's a it's a ride that my my wife really likes and we go into the carousel of progress. You walk in and you sit in these seats like a theater and the seats move. And, and so you're sitting in this theater, and, you're, and they take you from, I think it starts around the 20s, n- not the 2020s, but the 1920s, and, and it kind of walks you through the progress of America, and, and the seats move, and then you see a new version, and so they start off, and, and, and you see progress where they're going to have indoor plumbing that's progress, where they had electricity, where they had a freezer box in their house, a freezer, okay, like stuff we take for granted, to them sitting around the radio, to them sitting around a TV, like, like it was progress. And, and it talks about the story of America and the story of America is all about progress. Can I just say this? We all know this though. America is built on progress and for progress. I, I, I think if you think about our lives, we're good as long as our career is progressing. We're good as long as our family plans are progressing. You know how you're like, okay, by 30, I want to be married. I want to have two and a half kids. And I want a dog, maybe a cat or a mouse. I don't know. Nobody has a mouse. And, you know, I want, I want that we're going to live in this kind of house. And then when you don't, you get so frustrated. It's because we are, we are obsessed with progress. I think that's one of the challenging things about this time culturally that we've been in is because it's kind of highlighted that we maybe haven't progressed as far as we think we should have. And and so this has kind of been our struggle. And this is like, we love progress. I want to see my investments progress. Hello, don't you? Like, I want my retirement to progress. I want to see. And as long as that happens, we're good. But when things stall out, can, can we all just agree? That's when life gets hard. That's when we're frustrated. That's when we get upset. That's when we get angry about life. Now, here are the Israelites. They made progress. We left Egypt. We're traveling. We're moving. We're going tomorrow. We go to Lim. We go to all of these different places, and we see God do stuff, and there's progress. And we're making our way to the promise that God has until they get to Mount Sinai. And now what was a caravan has turned into a camp. Now they're camped at Mount Sinai, get this, for about a month and they don't know what's going on, and they, they start to get restless. I, I don't know if you noticed that. But they start to get restless. We're not moving forward. You know, there's this old quote. I don't know who first said it, but, but it's kind of wired for us, especially as Americans, that if you ain't moving forward, you're moving backwards. If you aren't going forward, then you're going backwards. Now, listen, we all kind of like go, hey, man, that's true when it comes to life. The reality is that's not true. That you could be, you're either moving forward, you can be moving backwards, or you could be in neutral, you could be parked right where they are. Well, God had them parked for a season, and they didn't like it, and they felt stuck. And I started to think about what life has felt like for many of us this year. Can I just be honest with you? I feel like I'm stuck. Do you feel like it? Yeah. I feel like we're stuck in the season like, like, I thought we, we I thought we were making progress initially. I thought the numbers are going down in May, and then all of a sudden in July, they peak back up. Our economy is not picking back up. Our unemployment rate is still through the roof. We don't know what's going to happen with school. and my kid going to school? Are they going to stay home? Are they virtual? Are they split? What's happening? Sports is a huge question mark. They're trying, but is there going to be high school sports? Is there going to be middle school sports? Like, this is weighing on our minds, and so many of us, let's be honest, we Feel stuck in this season. And what do you do when you get stuck? Here's what so many of us do we do the exact same thing that the people of Israel did. They begin to apply pressure. I've got to get out of this place. I just need movement. I just need to get. Out of this place. And so they put pressure on Aaron. And they say, Aaron, make us gods to go before us. If the God who brought us out here, who said we're going to end up in the promised land, isn't going to take us there, then we're going to find another God to get us there. And so rather than trusting in the God who had led them there and promised it, they began to come and look for other ways to get out. In other words, they had gotten impatient with God. So they were going to find a new way. Have you ever just be honest, have you ever gotten impatient with God? <laughs> I have. I get impatient with God all the time, to be honest with you. Have you ever felt like, God? I've prayed for this and it hasn't happened? Do you know there are things I have been praying for for years that still have not happened? And imagine you feel the same way. Have you ever gotten so impatient with God? God, we've been pleading with you to change this. I've been pleading with you to make the situation better. Pleading with you, God, we, we want to get pregnant and we can't. We've tried for years or whatever it might be in your life. God, we're trying to get out of this financial mess, but we just can't seem to turn a corner. No matter what we do and no matter how many times I beg God and I plead with God, nothing's changed. We get impatient. Here's what I found about being impatient, guys. I have found that we tend to make the worst decisions ever when we force something that we shouldn't force. You ever notice that? When you try to force something to happen and it's not the right timing, can I just tell you, that's why there are a lot of us who are living with some great regret in our lives because of something we purchased that we weren't ready for. There was a decision we were like, I'm gonna make this happen. I'm gonna, uh, I will make something happen. And those are the moments we tend to, to regret the most. Can I just tell you about one of those moments that happened for me? I'll tell you about it. And this is actually a story that I have never really told fully in the church. I had to get absolute permission, but there was a moment where I forced something that we weren't ready for. In fact, it's, uh, it's the weekend that I proposed to my wife. Now, she is my wife, so you can kind of already, the end of the story, she said yes. But if you don't know the story of it, let, let, let me tell you. Um, so m- my wife and I, like, we had been planning and talking about getting married. You know, sometimes you just know. We knew. We were young. We were young. And, uh, and so th- we had been talking about it. And so she's a senior in high school. I was out of high school. Uh, we knew we were going to get married. It's just sometimes you know, you know. And, uh, and so I had, we had talked about it. I picked out a ring, and I was trying to find the right moment. To, just to create, just this, I wanted to create this romantic, perfect picture moment to propose to her. And so I came up with this idea. We were all getting dressed up anyways to do it. She had a, a, her senior prom just a couple weeks before graduation. And uh, if some of you think that's young, you want to know my take on that because there are some people like, oh, you should wait till you're 30 to get married. Here's my take, okay, from a guy's standpoint, I want to snatch her up when she's young because the good ones are taken quickly. So I I was like, okay, I'm going to propose to her, 17, 18, I don't remember how old she was, but I'm proposing. And so I came up with this big, I concocted this plan, we were all dressed to the nines for the prom, and uh, and then I planned that we're going to go to dinner afterwards, downtown Columbus carriage ride. Set it all up, romantic, beautiful night, okay, and we're in the carriage right, getting pulled behind there. I'm just nervous, like, even though we talked about it, it's like, I know what she's gonna say, but I was so nervous. So finally the moment, I couldn't take any more, and I pull out that ring, and I'm like, you know, and I propose to her in the carriage while we're, walk- while we're downtown Columbus. I never forget the look on her face of, of joy and bewilderment in the same look. She looked at me, and she said, I want to say yes, but not yet. And I was devastated. I was like, what do you mean? I mean, I planned this whole thing, and I just surprised her and all of this stuff. And, and, and she was like, I want to. But what I didn't catch and I didn't realize was that she had just had what was basically the worst weekend of her life leading up to this. This was You couldn't pick worse timing, Tim. Just so dumb. But, but just before that, a day or so before that, she had planned this trip with her friends, seniors, to go down to Kings Island. Uh, she had some friends that decided to take a, kind of a cooler with some beer in it. Again, they weren't 21. My wife had, now. if you ever know my wife, my wife had zero intention of drinking because she follows the rules to a T. And so not until she'd be 21 years old, but her friends were, and they went down and got caught in a sting. And they got arrested. My wife, I tell you, I remind her all the time, you know, when she talks about how bad I am, I'm just like, look, well, how many of us have been arrested? Raise your hand. You know, and and... And, and while, listen, this is why her friends, because she was, she had no plans and attention. I mean, my wife, she, you know, straight and narrow. She would never do that. While they're being detained or arrested, like the, her friends are literally saying to the police, don't arrest her. You don't understand. She's an honor society student. She's a, she, her, her dad's a pastor. You can't, she's not. It didn't matter. And it just, just, it ruined the whole weekend. And it was because of all of that, my wife was like, this is the wrong timing. And she said no. And uh, that was a little, I'm not going to lie to you, it was a a gut punch, you know. Uh, I knew she wanted to. And so a few weeks after that, she started to beg for the ring. And I was like, you ain't getting that ring. So I made her wait a really long time before I ended up giving her the ring. But what I didn't realize was that when I got ahead of the right timing, it backfired. And what I'm trying to say to all of us today is that when we get ahead of God, it'll backfire. When we want to get out of something that God maybe wants to use in our life in that season, can I just tell you, it can backfire. And some of us have probably been in a place where we've been like, God, I've been begging you to change something. And why haven't you changed the situation? And it could be that God hasn't changed the situation because he hasn't yet changed you. And I want progress, and God's like, but I hit pause. I want you to pause for just a moment. I'm not saying that God caused this virus and God caused our economy crash. That is not of God. That's not what God's caused. But what I am saying is that God will use moments like this in our life to define us and do something in us. And many of us want to run ahead of God. We want to get away from the season we're in when God's going, but I wanted to use this season. It's like Abraham and, and, and Sarah, who had a promise from God, they would have a child 11 years later, still no promise, so they come up with another plan. Every time you do that, it backfires. Yeah. And here's what they're saying. Aaron, make us gods to go before us. We, we were moving somewhere, and now, and now we've stalled out. We, this, where's God? And some of us maybe feel like that. Where is God in all of this? But can I just tell you what seemed like a massive or serious delay really was a divine detour. You see, God always had an intention to change and add a stop on their wayfinding, that they would stop at the base of this mountain. God was doing something really significant in their life. They couldn't feel it. They couldn't see it. They didn't know. They're like, where's Moses? He's not driving anymore. We lost our tour guide. We do this. But what they didn't realize is that God was actually doing something in this moment while Moses was up on the mountain that was so significant and so important. This is what God was doing. And what oftentimes feels like, God, where are you? And why haven't you responded? Why aren't you changing this? Why aren't you doing it? What feels like a delay is oftentimes a divine detour where God is using it to do something in us. Do you know that God wants to do something in us? I think even in a season like this. God often uses detours in our life to do two significant things. If you want to take notes, I would encourage you to write these down because I think we're processing this. God will use use delays in our life to do two significant things. The first one is this. God will use a delay to deprogram us. God will use a delay to deprogram us. You see, they just wanted to get there. But God actually had to do something really significant before he took them there. Okay? If you you understand the context of this, for 400 years or more, this nation had lived in the land of Egypt, which was a culture and a society that was godless with the one true God. They had lived in an environment where they were surrounded by pagan worship, idol worship, They lived in a culture that did not care about humanity, not in the way God did. When you talk about being made in the image of God, they they lived in an environment that was self-centered, it was selfish, it was all about pleasure, and so here's what God was doing, is that he took them to this very unique place, this mountain, where God would meet with Moses on the mountain so that he could give him some things that would help get Egypt out of them. We want to get to the promised land. God's like, well, I can't take you to the promised land until after I get some things out of you that have been ingrained in you for generations and generations. And here's the irony, is that while while Moses is on the mountain getting revelation from God, where God is downloading to him, if you know this, some of the most significant commands that we've ever seen in the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, The irony is they're going right back to Egypt by fashioning a golden calf to worship. Literally, God took them on purpose to this mountain so that he could give them something to deprogram what had been hundreds of years that does not look like God. And so God is giving Moses all this revelation of of deprogramming through the Ten Commandments. Now, here's what's interesting about the Ten Commandments, okay? I think a lot of times we miss the context of the Ten Commandments. We we miss sometimes, you know, the essence of it. I believe it's an Old Testament thing, but there's some truth in that for us. But, But have you ever considered how the Ten Commandments were given? I want you to think about this. Nine out of the 10, of the top 10 of these commandments are given in negative form. Now, that doesn't mean they're negative. I'm not saying they're negative. I'm saying they're said like this, you shall not have any other gods before me. You shall not create an image of anything in heaven or earth, below the earth, and bow down and worship it. You shall not work on the seventh day. It is holy unto me. You shall not commit murder. You shall not Covet. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not. Why is it that nine out of the ten? See, this is part of the problem is that even today, and I believe that we are under a new covenant, that, that so many people, when they're introduced to religion, their view of it is negative that God is a God that it's all about you can't do this and you shouldn't do this. And this is what's, and God is a God that's full of rules. Can I just tell you why maybe God gave these commandments and they were written this way? It's because God was trying to deprogram something that had been ingrained in them for over 400 years that looked nothing like the kind of people that God wanted them to be. And so God has to say, no, 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 don't do that. Don't live that way. Don't act like this. I know that was normal in the culture you came from. But before I can take you to a place of blessing, before I give you all the things I want to give you, I need to get something out of you first. That's the season of what God was doing in them. Can I ask you a question? This is something I've been wrestling with, and I think we should wrestle in a season like this. What does God need to work out of you before you move on? Beyond the season. What is it that God needs to work out of you? The deprogramming, the, 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 some things that you have held on to for years and years, and then you got into a season where everything slowed down. And now, like, when your progress gets stopped, all of a sudden you're forced to deal with yourself. What does God want to work out of you before you move out of the season? What, what are there? Are there some habits that you have carried and all of a sudden, they got highlighted in this season, maybe even in quarantine. These are bad habits. Maybe there's, maybe there's some sinful things that you keep going back. You keep going back to those websites. You keep going back to that drink. You keep going back whenever you're stressed and frustrated. You keep going back to these things. And God's like, I need to, before I take you forward, I need to take and get some things out of you. I want to just, I want to deprogram. Maybe it's even in your marriage. It was already kind of strained. And then a quarantine happened and all these emotions came up. And then the question is, what are you going to do with those emotions? Because a lot of people, you know what they do? I'm going to run out. Maybe the, the answer isn't, I'm going to run out. Maybe God's giving you a moment where you deal with what he's got so that you can actually heal and move forward in your marriage, not run away from it. What is it? Because here's what I found in a season like this is that there are things I think that God is he's trying to do in us. There's things that God's trying to develop, and he wants to first deprogram out of your life. And, and, and I, I know we're wired for progress. We absolutely are. But let, let me say it this way. Until God can prune you, he can't bring you into your purpose. And I don't like it when God cuts things away. It hurts. It's painful. I don't like it, but let me just tell you, this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, you need to see light this way that my father is the gardener and I'm the vine and you're the branches. And he, he cuts and he prunes all those branches that bear fruit. I, listen, what I'm saying is even if you're follower of Jesus, there are seasons in your life where God's going to cut back some things and he's going to prune back some stuff in your life and it's not going to feel good. But the reason why he does it is so there is good progress in your life so you can bear even more fruit in your life as you move forward. But you can't move forward until there's a season where God might cut back. And so what I'm, what I'm saying is, is like, this is something for all of us to wrestle with. What is it that God wants to prune out of your life before he takes you into your purpose? See, I, I, most of us, are just we want to get there. Doesn't matter how, we just want to get there. That's not the way God feels. Can I, can I say this as lovingly as I can, but it's so real. God cares more about your development than he does your destination. Can I say it again? God cares more about your development than He does your destination. Most of us, we're obsessed with our destination. In our minds, when I arrive, when I get there, when I make this much, when I have this job, when I get this title, when I have this much authority, when we can retire, when we can have this many kids, when we can, we think that way. That's why I said, especially as Americans, we're so progress oriented. Can I just tell you something? God cares far more about your development than he does you getting to your destination. Or let me say it this way. God cares far more about who you are when you arrive, not how fast you get there. This is so important for us because why, as a people, we are push, push, push. I've got to move. I've got to run. And what I'm saying is there are seasons where God's saying, hold on, hold on. I want to slow you down for just a moment. There are some things that I want to address and I want to take care of and I want to deprogram. There's some things that I need to get out of you before I can take you to the promised land. And so God built in this natural, God-given, divine detour to take them to this mountain where they camp. And he says, I need you to stay here for a little bit. They didn't understand what he was doing, but God was trying to do it. Now listen, God uses, I said, two things, at least two uh, in a detour. He uses, one, he's going to deprogram us. The second one, he wants to develop us. It wasn't about tearing down, but it was about deprogramming old thoughts, old mindset, old ways so that he could develop a new people, a different people. You see, when God um, called the Israelites out and was taking them to the promised land, he could have done it with any people. But he chose this one nation. There's something about this one nation that for God, he chose this nation. He chose Abraham, and then he chose this family and this nation. And ultimately, it was to bring Jesus to this world through this one group. But they were a chosen people group. I mean, we can't deny it. That they, they were God had his hand on this people. And what he was doing is he's taking them out of one land. But before he takes them to their own land, he says, I want to change you. Because what God was doing was he was making them different than all the other nations. Every nation was, was in polytheism. Every nation worshiped whatever they could find. Every nation was living godless lives. Every nation, and he says, not you. You are my chosen people. I've got a purpose for you. And so I need to get some stuff out and then I'm going to develop you so that you are unique and you are different and you look different. Can I just say that maybe that's also true of every single person who follows Jesus is that God wants to create you to be someone different than the rest of the world. He doesn't want our lives to look like everybody else's life, but God wants to develop a character in you and God wants to develop integrity in you and God wants to develop a purpose to come out of your life. And so we need to understand God wants to develop us. I I remember running into this tension as a Christ follower when I was like 17 years old and I got this job in sales. And I was selling all this crap to businesses. That's what it was. It was literally just junk. But here's the thing. I found out I was good at it. Believe it or not. I found out I was good at selling stuff to people. And so I I advanced so fast, like they said, I was the fastest person to get to a point where they were sending me to Chicago for training, and then it's kind of, I found out it was a little bit like a pyramid thing, and it was a cash business, and so I'm like advancing through the ranks, and I'm watching that the owner of this particular branch is driving a fancy sports car, and I'm, I'm making more money than I ever was making cash, and all of a sudden I woke up one day and I realized, there's something not right about this business. There's something that doesn't feel like it's honoring God in the way this whole entire business was running. And so I walked into the, my boss's office one day. Again, I'm 17 years old, and I said, I need to resign. He said, why in the world would you resign? You're making good money. You're one of the fastest that's ever made it to this, and if you stay on this track, you're going to be making a lot of money you do this. And I just said, um, uh, God's got a different plan for my life. And there's a tension that we live with when we realize that God's got a purpose for our lives, and it might not look like the rest of the world. And so God might want to develop that. And so listen, it doesn't matter about how fast you get to management. It doesn't matter how quickly you climb the ladder. What I'm saying is, is, that if you move that fast, but you arrive, but you're not the person that God wanted you to be, and you're not living the purpose that God created you, it doesn't matter how much money you make or what title you have, okay, so before God could take them into the promised land where he had all kinds of blessing, he said, I need to develop something in you. Can I just tell you in this season what God is, what God's been doing in me? God has been developing a deep level of trust in me, unlike anything I've had before. And and I think sometimes that feels like cliche to say when you're a Christian, let alone a pastor. I mean, you're a pastor. Of course you trust God. You know, of course you're in the season. Of course you, you have faith in God and you trust in God. Let me just tell you this. I do have trust in God and I do have faith in God. But a lot of times, it's as long as I have the steering wheel. Like, I trust God as long as I can also produce the outcomes that I want to see or I think God wants to see. And so all of a sudden, we got to 2020, and it got to the point where me and I am supposed to be a visionary leader of this church, and we're building a new building, and all this stuff's going on, and I feel like I lost it all. I lost control. I've been like, okay, I'm steering this, and I have all the thoughts and the plans and the ideas of what we're going to do and how we're going to get there. And everything it feels like was just swept out from underneath me in 2020. And I found myself at times just feeling like, God, what's going on? And, 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 and I've, I, if I could be honest with you, I have felt completely like it's all out of control. I don't know if any of you felt like that in your life. It's just felt like it was out of control. And God spoke to me one day. God spoke to me one day and he said, Tim, it's not that it's out of control, it's just out of your control. When are you gonna trust me? See, I thought I trusted God. But I realize it's easy to trust God when you have all the provision. It's easy to trust God or say we trust God when life is good and when life is easy and when we do, it's when we get frustrated, it's when we get stuck, it's when we feel like we're not progressing, when our plans aren't coming forth, when our dreams aren't gonna happen. These are the moments where God wants to develop something. You see, I think one of the greatest tragedies that could happen through this entire COVID thing is that we would walk through all of this and not get what God wanted us to get in it. You know, I, I think about the story of the Israelites, what, what should have taken two weeks to get to the edge of the promised land, turned into two years. And I think a lot of us felt like back in March, this is gonna be a two week detour. It might take two years. I am not prophesying that. I'm just saying it could take two years. How are we going to see this season? Are we going to get frustrated? Are we going to get angry? Or are we going to say, God, what are the things that you wanted to die in the desert so I didn't carry them with me to the place that you wanted me to go? Maybe there's some things that God wanted to deprogram out of you. Maybe the, your, your, your negative self-worth. God's saying, I want to get that out of you before you carry it into the next relationship. What is it? What What is something that God's like, I wanted this to die in the desert so that I had room. Here's the thing. God doesn't just take away. Let me tell you what God does. God will prune or God will take away things so that he can fill it with even more. I, I want you to hear this. God will deprogram, but then he'll develop. He will cut away, but then he will cause growth to happen in your life. And I'm asking you, like, What is God wanting to develop in you this season? Maybe he's wanting to develop some new spiritual practices. Maybe he's wanting to develop a deep trust in him that even when we don't know how it's going to work out or if we're ever going to move out of this, but God, I still trust you. Maybe he wants to develop a change in your lifestyle. Maybe, I don't know, but these are the questions we should be asking God in this season. Because if we don't ask these questions and if we don't say, okay, God, what are you doing? We'll be tempted to live like the Israelites. Here's what they did. Aaron, make us gods to go before us. We wanna get out of here. And so Aaron, he'd under the pressure. He takes all their gold, melts it, and he fashions it into a golden calf. Why a golden calf? Because that's what they knew in Egypt. And here's what they said. These are the gods who brought you up out of Egypt. Wait, I thought we were trying to get somewhere. It's because every time we bypass what God wants to do and Him leading us, let me tell you what happens. We'll always go back to a place of slavery. Every time. Every time you think, okay, I'm gonna make this happen, let me tell you what will happen. You will always end up in a place that you never wanted to be. I just promise you, God is the source. And until we learn to find a rhythm with God, even a season when it slows way down, we will be so incredibly frustrated. And the danger is that we try to push ahead when God says, I have a reason for this moment. I have a purpose for this moment. If you follow the, their, their story, I mean, God tells Moses, go down to the mountain. These people have already violated the very thing I'm trying to deprogram out of them. So Moses carrying the tablets with the Ten Commandments goes down. And when he sees the golden calf, I can only imagine he can picture Egypt again. Wait a minute. We're trying to go away from that. And you're going back. And he gets angry and he breaks the tablets. And and God's angry in that moment. Moses kind of intercedes in in this kind of moment. But what happens in chapter 33 is crazy to me. It's God said something to Moses. And we learned this a little bit last week. But I felt like it was important to land here again. God looked at Moses and he said, listen, I'm a a God who is a promise keeper and so I will send an angel ahead of you into the land of Canaan who will go and wipe out. I promised you a land, I'll give you a land. But he said, I'm not going with you. You see, that's interesting because the people all said, come make us gods to go before us. But Moses, the difference is Moses had been in the presence of God. Moses had that encounter with God that they didn't have. Moses, he, he was, I think he had a taste of heaven, sustained by God's presence alone without food and water, on a mountaintop, and Moses, what he said in Exodus thirty-three fifteen. 15, Pastor Russ read this verse last week. I want to read it again because I believe it's so powerful. In Exodus 33, verse 15, here's what, here's what he said. Moses said to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Let me read it again. If your presence does not go with us, please, whatever God, do not send us up from here. Moses recognized Do you know what I'd rather have more than progress? His presence. Do you know what I would rather have? I, I would rather, God, you be with me in the valley than for us to run into some other place without you, God. This is so important. I, I Please, I want you to hear this today. I don't want God to go before me. I want him to walk with me. I don't want God to go before me. I want him to walk with me in every season of life. And so here's the challenge for us today, guys. And, and I'm not talking about practice. I'm talking about emotionally, spiritually, every part. Like, what does it look like? I don't want to get ahead of God. I don't want to run out of a season that God says, I'm not done doing something in you. And I don't wanna lag behind God when God is saying, come on, I'm trying to take you to a place of blessing. What I want is, I want God to walk with me. I wanna learn to find a rhythm where I'm like, God, when you say go, let's go. But if you say stay, as long as you'll stay with me. If you're not done, then don't send me out of this place. Do you know how hard it is for me to say that? Because I want to be so badly on the other side of this. And for whatever reason, God just keeps taking me right back to this. But I'm doing something with it. God says I'll work all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Amen. Just in receiving this word, would you all stand to your feet and would you just let's just take a moment and invite God's presence in today? Let's just pray right now and say, God, whatever you're trying to do, would you reveal it to us? Father, we we recognize that so many of us, God, and myself included, I have wanted to run out of this place, out of this season. But God, this is hard for me to kind of confess this and say it, but God, if you're not done getting some things out of my mind, out of my spirit, out of my habits, if you're not done pouring in something new, before you would take us to the promise and the blessing that you have, then God, I'll I'll stay right here with you. Maybe maybe as you're praying that you would just make that declaration in your mind right now. God, I want you to walk with me. I don't want to push ahead of you. I don't want to lag behind. God, I want to walk step and step with you. God, even if that means we have to keep walking through this valley a bit longer, God, I want your presence. And I want what you're trying to do in me. God, if you're pruning the church in this season, if you want to prune my life in this season, God, I'm saying prune away. Because I know that you have purpose for our lives. I know you have not left us. I know you said you'll build your church, and I'm holding on to that promise. God, sometimes the only thing we can do at the base of the mountain when we don't know where to go is we hold on to the promise that you made, that you are a promise keeper, that, God, you are faithful to bring to completion everything that you have spoken. And so, God, I pray that over every person that is under the sound of my voice. Every person that's frustrated, every person, God, that's saying, God, where are you? For all the prayers that we have prayed and we haven't seen anything happen, for all the times we wonder, God, why haven't you changed this? That, God, maybe you're wanting to change me first. So today, God, we say, I surrender. I surrender. God, will you walk with us? God, before you give us the blessing, would you give us your presence? That is the greatest blessing, to be honest. Not how we can progress and success, but God, how we can move into your presence and we can be used by your purpose. So God, would you give us that today? We need to, we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Hey, listen, as we sing this song, I just wanna encourage you, this is a moment to lean in and say, God, I need your presence right now.